We've got a special guest in the house today. We've got Frankie from Piedmont Custom. Hello. Piedmont Custom Fab over here in, where are you at in Georgia? Uh, Monroe. Monroe. What are you, what are you doing? Are you, are, you I, playing, I, are you playing with my stuff? Oh, well, we got Ryan's mic up, too. We have found all kind of fun <laughs> stuff to do on this. This thing, we can uh, make our voices sound really funny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Turn that off. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, it was fun. It is fun, but <laughs> we'll have to do a whole episode like that. <laughs> yeah. I love anybody Let's see listen. how long you guys can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't handle it very long. No. All right, Frankie, tell us your whole life story. We're going to hear uh, it. we got an hour. Go. Where do you want me to start? <laughs> From the beginning. <laughs> From the beginning. What, what, when did you start doing doing builds? Because you were kind of the first guy around here in Georgia to start doing them for all these local guys. Yeah, it's been, gosh, 2014-ish, 2013. Um, I started messing around with it. I was back then fishing some of these local tournaments and stuff, and... I just was a welder fabricator, um, took it into my own interest to build the boat out of wood like everybody else started out doing, um, and then I took it to the next level, tore all the wood out, and went with aluminum framing to try to lighten up the whole deck and everything like that. Um, <clears throat> then I turned around and started getting into the aluminum decking, but could not figure out how I wanted to build any of my hatch lids and anything like that, just making it out of 090 mm -hmm. and not being able to have any bent corners or anything like that. It was just a trial and error and a whole process I went through probably for about a year or so and finally kind of learned how to do that. It was a long process to get into doing that, and it took twice as long. Um, and then I got into doing my boat. Then it started out with another buddy, then another buddy's buddy, and it just kind of progressed that way, doing it for friends and doing it for their friends. Um, and then I got into pretty much doing it part-time, I guess you would say. Um, and then now it has turned into a full-time adventure for me. Full-time Frankie. Full-time Frankie. I like that. You need to get that on a shirt. Yeah, I should. <laughs> so you had some previous experience welding and fabricating and stuff? Yeah, I've been welding since probably 99 2000 okay. if not earlier started in high school um learning how to stick weld and mig weld and then it turned into doing some aluminum stuff and progressed from there what uh what welder setups are you running now right now i'm running two eastwoods i got a tig 2000 and the mig 175 do you like that tig the tig is is simple easy um, it's not as advanced as some of the other ones. I don't have all the pulse settings and all that yeah. stuff, but it it does the job and gets gets me by for now until I can cluster up a bunch of money and <laughs> pay the ten grand for the the special welder and all that stuff. But no, it does. It works. It gets me by, um, and it makes a pretty weld as long as I don't you have do a your bunch part. of. Yep, I got to <laughs> do my part to make it look good. Well, I mean, on the business side of this, even us, we have a nice tig, and I don't get to use it as much as i'd like to because we're always in such a rush to get stuff out the door so it's right. just faster to mig stuff sometimes unless i'm making little small parts or you know like on top part of a boat where i want the welds to look pretty everything else gets mig just because it's fast it's faster it is i use my spool gun quite a bit and my two machines i can have the spool gun hooked up and be using it but immediately unplug and plug in mm -hmm. and just switch my gas valve over yep and i'm right there tigging if i have to but Yep. I stick to framing and doing all the stuff that we do on the inside of the boats pretty much with a spool gun. Yeah. And that's all in adjustment and getting that all lined up. And that took a while to get everything figured out. But I've gotten that figured out to a real good purpose for my my liking on my machine. And every machine is different. Yeah, they really are. They're all big learning curve. Hey, you got just kind of off topic, but you have a splitter between your argon tank and your two machines or do you unplug i unplug you, you one hose and go into yeah, the other machine that, i've been meaning to and every time i go to the weld welding store i forget to get like a little y the splitter the y splitter or yep, the double, getting a second you know the flow double, meter yep the flow so, double the double flow meter actuate yeah. yeah yeah i want to do that because i get tired <laughs> of you know you'd be 
MIGGING IN THERE, SPOOL GUN WELDING FOR A COUPLE of DAYS, AND THEN ALL OF A SUDDEN YOU WANT TO SWITCH OVER TO TIG, AND I GOT TO GO FIND MY WRENCH, AND yeah. I GOT TO UNDO THE GAS PORT. Yeah, uh, IT CAN GET AGGRAVATING, in. BUT AT THE SAME SENSE, TOO, IF YOU KEEP YOUR MACHINE, I GOT MINE ON TWO DIFFERENT CARTS, SO I MAY HAVE ONE PULLED yeah. OVER TO ONE SIDE AND GOT THE OTHER ONE ON THE OTHER SIDE WHERE I'M FABBING UP DOING SOME STUFF, yeah. THEN I'VE GOT TO GO OVER THERE AND make all those adjustments we'll put all our stuff on one cart i got a really good deal on that that big welding cart from yeah. harbor freight i think it's actually really nice for how there cheap it is, is some nice stuff coming out of harbor freight sometimes sometimes it's, it's the uh it's not the cheap one it's the uh the vulcan the vulcan the nice one yeah it holds i mean it holds two what do we have one i think we got a hundred and oh it's a big boy yeah we got the biggest tank that they sell i think it's a 160 175 something like that on the Oregon? Yeah. Yeah, the big bottle. Yeah. I got two of those on that thing, and it handles it just handles fine. Handles it fine, yeah. So and I keep one full, and then whenever the other one runs out, we go get it refilled. Right. So we've always got a second. So what? Um, so you started learning on steel, correct? Yes, which is most what everybody learns on in uh, the beginning. Yeah. Steel. I don't, I've never heard, besides somebody going into a trade school, that actually goes immediately straight into stainless or aluminum or something yeah. like Everybody normally starts out on mild steel yeah how was the uh learning curve going from steel to aluminum it was a little tough at first um but having the background of the mild steel stuff it's it was a little bit easier knowing what to look at in a weld knowing what to look at while you're welding you know you got people that say well what do you really look at if you don't know what to look at i don't know what to tell you yeah you know it's it's hard to explain that to somebody but with the background of welding on mild steel it took a little time to get used to that but probably not as long as somebody that wanted to jump straight into aluminum that has never really welded before yeah so i think that's a big i guess help there is is the mild steel background yeah i know for me one of the hardest things was trying to have my enough peripheral vision to watch the rest of what i was doing because we weld a lot of thin stuff. Oh, yeah. And it warps really, really fast. Yep. And if you are not paying attention, you will turn something into a pretzel in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it takes, you know, you got to be able to watch the puddle, move, machine, setting yourself on fire, and watch your part all at the same time. Oh, yeah. So. Really, that goes for a lot of touch, too. If you have a glove or a TIG finger or something like that that you are moving along the weld where you're welding, you can feel movement in the material. Yeah. You know, with the heat expansion and getting hotter and everything doing its stuff. So sometimes you can feel without even having to see, but visual is the biggest thing because you'll see it start gaps opening up and, yep. you know, things like that. So I think that's the hardest part about teaching people to weld these thin John boats that we work on is you can only do so much before you overheat the material. Oh, yeah. And then you start warping it so bad it's not even worth fooling with anymore. No. Uh, no. What about the what we'll about the one case? Day. Yeah, yeah. I was about <laughs> to say I'm a little over here. I don't, I don't, you know, definitely the least experienced in welding. So, but you did good though. We got the we got the new MIG machine. You picked it right up and started welding some stuff. I've tried. You did I? I? The only way to learn is to try, and yeah. the only way to learn is to actually just do it instead of somebody trying to somebody to tell you how to do it. Yep. You got to actually do yep. it and see it for yourself. A lot of hours behind the hood. Oh, without a doubt, lots of hours. So. What what kind of boat do you have right now? Like personally? Yeah. I have a 2001 Tracker 185 with a 90 uh, horsepower outboard gas. Um, I do not have any electric rig right now myself. I build them all day. So when I want to go fishing, I go fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But I enjoy it. Like I said, I used to do it back in the day when everybody was running trolling motors. What was the uh, the old school tournaments like? Old school tournaments, I would say, are more laid back, I guess you'd say. Not as comp- I, it is competitive. I won't say that. Um, old school tournaments are a lot different than what they are now. Just from... And I haven't fished anything in a while other than the big stuff. I used to, you know, Oconee fishing berries, Bass Trail. Um, well, like PFLs. the electric stuff. On the was, electric what side? What was the field like back then? Was there a lot of competition? Was you it, still had some heavy hitters back then. Don't Number you know, of boats just as high? No. Number of boats were a little less. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been to several tournaments where you might only have, at most, 10 boats. 
and I've been to some where you might only have four or five. Right. Now, looking at everything and all the uh, clubs and trails that are out there now, you're seeing 20, 30, 40 boats. Per, in some per trail. Per trail. Yeah. It's getting you know, big. It's getting bigger. It's getting a lot bigger. And people are, I guess, that much more competitive now. Right. Because you got a lot of guys that have left big tournaments because of money, cost, and coming into the electric side. Still have money and cost with everything because this stuff's getting Welcome expensive. Welcome to lithium. Yep. yep. <laughs> getting expensive. Um, but you do have a lot of guys that are doing both. Some only went and stayed with gas side, bigger tournaments, and then a lot of guys have came over to the electric side. You've got a lot of good lakes around us here that we can fish and catch a good 20 to 22-pound bag mm-hmm. and – some guys still can't even do some that on guys, a big lake. Yeah. <clears throat> and then some guys are doing it here consistently. Consistent. Week after week after week. And that's getting familiar with the water. Familiar yeah. with what you fish. Mm-hmm. Electronics, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, Same no. thing on big lake, just smaller, yep. and you have an electric outboard. Yep. Now, when you started tournament fishing, it was all trolling motors. Well, when I really started tournament fishing, I was uh, fishing with my dad down in Florida. I fished a few tournaments down there before we actually moved to Georgia when I was 10. And I grew up fishing big tournaments with my dad, Lake Okeechobee, down in the Everglades, Sawgrass, Lake Kissimmee, Lake Toho, fishing all that stuff down in South Florida. But when we moved here, it was a learning curve for us as well because the first time we went to Lanier, I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, that, that can't be right. And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, it says 100 foot deep. Mm-hmm. He's like, nah, it's right. And I'm like, mm, there's no way. I've never seen 100-foot deep water unless I was in the ocean. Yeah. You know, out, off the beach, you know, several miles out, I could see 100 foot. Not in a lake, not down there, not down south. I mean, most I've seen 25 to maybe 30 foot deep. Here, when we started fishing at Lanier, 100 foot, I've seen that on a graph. I've seen up to 120 foot. Yeah. That's deep water. Mm-hmm. How, how deep was it up at that uh... – What's that last tournament? Blue Ridge or whatever? Wasn't it oh, super deep up there? No, I think it's it's pretty shallow for the most part. Oh, it's not one of them big 100-footers? No, or I, th- I think you have like 40, 50, 60-foot depths in some areas, but I, to my knowledge, it's not extremely deep. It's a clear lake, though, right? Now, when I was in Montana, yes. yeah. they had those little lakes in between all the mountains, and they were saying that those are 400 feet deep. But those were like old mines or something? That- no, it's like... Glacier no, water. It's just where lakes in between. No, in Montana. No, no, I'm talking about the where they have oh, the mines. Oh no, that, that's where those Nate. are. Those are strip mines. Uh, where that? Yeah, they they in dredge Illinois. them for whatever they do. I guess I don't. I really don't know. I'm Not gonna sound like an idiot because it don't come from here. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like at Epinates. Yeah. You know, you're running three foot of water. Yeah. Like three foot of water. Yeah. And that's your lake. So I like it though. Real skinny. <laughs> real skinny and shallow. Real, real skinny water. That's what I like. So uh, what kind of fishing do you, do you like to do now? You're not doing I'm the tournaments still, anymore? Not, well, no. I haven't tournament fished in a while. Um, I might go jump in a pot tournament or something like that with some friends or some buddies. But other than that, it's just fun fishing. But I actually got into crappy fishing about five years ago. And I've gotten real hardcore into that. Um, I just enjoy it. It's fun. And I've got my boys involved with me doing that now, too. So it's easy for them. It's not a bunch of just standing on the front deck throwing. Yeah. A lot more active. A lot more active, a lot more action, and I enjoy eating them. Yeah, they are really good to eat. <laughs> they are really good to eat. Is it, you, do you do any bass fishing anymore? I still do, yes, time to time. Uh, you know, I'll get the call from my dad. We'll go fishing or like I said, a pot tournament with a buddy. Hey, you want to go fishing with me tomorrow? Yeah. One of them things. Or, hey, I got a tournament coming up next Saturday. My partner can't go. Can you fill in? Yeah, I'll go. What's What's your uh, favorite place to fish here in Georgia? For? Anything. I wouldn't say I have a favorite place. I got a lot of places that I like to go, but I wouldn't. I don't know. Hard to say. There's so many good places to fish. There is. Yeah. There is. What a... Uh, so how many boats have you? do you think you've built total over all the years? 
over all the years, I'd say somewhere around 50 to 60. 50 to 60. But mm-hmm. Is there one or two of those that stick out more than the others? Well, definitely Troy's. Troy's yeah. was the absolute biggest build that I've ever done. Walk us into Troy's. What was that whole process like? Was it was that like the biggest boat you had done at the time? Was it because well, it's an well, eighteen? For anybody who does not know, Troy's boat is the well. It was I think it still is the the fastest. It was electric, dubbed the yeah, world's dubbed fastest, the world's fastest, fastest electric outboard. But it was an electric uh, boat that you built for tournament fishing here in Georgia, and originally was running what twenty seven and a half miles an hour. Uh, we, we made it run 27 miles. Yeah, we, an hour. we made it do that. <laughs> yeah. But I yes. mean, it was one of the first ones that had broke that like 20, 25 mile an hour oh, yeah. thing. We did a big video on it on YouTube. So it's on the Tiny Boat Nation channel if anybody's interested. No, that one's on my Fire Ant channel. Yeah, that's on, on your Fire, Fire Ant channel. That was before all those other channels came out. Yep. Okay. So that's, that's what they're talking about when they talk about Troy's boat. Go ahead. That is absolutely the biggest build, most. Uh, I don't even know what you would say to that, but com- had to have been complex. the highest cost at one too. Oh, without a doubt, that was the highest cost. You know, most complex build that I've done. Strategically figuring out how and what to do, especially with all the lithium batteries that are in it, where we were putting them, how we were dispersing the weight. You know, there's a big factor that comes into all that stuff when you're getting into several lithium batteries at 60, 70 pounds a piece to power something 96 volts yeah you've got to seriously sit down and you know me and troy spent several days trying to figure out exactly how we were going to set that boat up and do what we wanted to do both of us with our background in electric fishing going from trolling motors to this we knew kind of concept of what we wanted but it took some sit down time and actually figuring that out now, that one started its life as a... It was a brand-new Tracker Grizzly? Brand-new, bought from Bass Pro. It was a 1860. 1860. It's a nice boat. Just just the Grizzly Tracker 1860s. They are. They're very nice ball. boats. The only thing that I will say I do not like about those boats is the foam in them. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. The, God, foam the foam is, is horrible. And I say that in the sense of with all the water drainage... They're all closed up by the by the foam. They just yep. those holes with the little black plugs that you see all over the yep. top of them. They just stick that gun in there and shoot it up and fill those cavities up. Well, when they did that, it has all the channels that run the ribs on the bottom of the boat yep. run from front to back. And when they just stick that gun in there, and shoot, it fills all that up. Yep. And they don't care. And they don't care. They they have to know they're doing it. Oh, they, oh, they know. I mean, yeah, they know. Without they a just doubt, don't they care. Know. Uh, I, now, what I do wonder that if they know or not is the tracker has the stickiest foam I have ever seen in my life. Every tracker that we have ever ripped apart, the foam sticks to the aluminum on the inside, and you have to pretty much grind it off. That is the actual foam being wet still when it expands. Mm-hmm. It sticks to the floor or sticks to the panels or sticks yep. to whatever. But We've that's just some that being you wet. Can just, you can cut big chunks of it out and just pull it with the trackers. It, it's like stuck. Oh, yeah. All up inside the benches, and there's little pods in the back. Like, you just can't get that crap out no. without and we, getting behind it. with no, The G3s driver. are pretty bad, too. Yeah, the G3 is they're bad. They're all too. bad. I, and I say that they're all bad. They're all to that concept of could be better. Oh, yeah. You know, but they're not looking at it in the sense of what we're going to do to a boat when they're selling it to the co- That's not one of their... It just that has to pass at. the it regs and go out the door and get to the store. That's it to be bought. That's it. That's it. Yep. It's it's got to. And they don't anticipate idiots like us tearing them apart. No. <laughs> they, don't. they don't. No, not at all. You know, speaking of that, I never heard back from DNR. Well, you're probably not going to. Well, I mean, they were super Do nice you, on the phone, but that, like nobody can tell me what the law says because I can't find it. I know what the manufacturer's regulations are, and I was able to find all those laws and says how much foam is supposed to be in a boat. But there's nowhere in there that I can find that says that a boat for recreational fishing use in a lake is required to have the same amount of foam in it while you're operating it as it did the day that it was manufactured. I don't think there is a law of that, is be- there? And I, Well, and that, what I, I called DNR to ask them to find out is because we have a lot of people that are, you know, 
that's a big argument for people. They right. go, oh, well, you can't pull the phone out. It's illegal. And I'm like, under what law? Yeah. There's a law that says that the manufacturers have to put it in there. Correct. But I can't find a law that says that anybody can give me a ticket for not having it in my boat. Now, do I think you should have it in your boat? Yeah, absolutely. Because if you swamp it, you're going to want to recover the boat. And that's the whole point of the phone. Well, the how are place. they going to know anyways? Just get a big bilge pump. I mean, if you think about it, they're going to have to tear the boat apart just to even figure out if there's foam in it or not. And that's right. the thing is, how do you regulate it? I think that's probably f- why they don't have one is because they can't regulate it. Yeah. yeah. I think the foam ordeal that, you know, we all deal with um, is for, Ryan, like you just said, for DNR f- or for Coast Guard purposes to sell and get that uh, plaque sticker, whatever you want to call it, of the... To make it legal. Legal, yeah. exactly, for them to be able to sell that boat to a consumer, you know, to a customer, consumer, yep. whatever, you know, and I guess once you purchase and once you do, is it at your discretion what you want to take out and what you want to leave in? Well, I think what, what was it. what was Troy's discretion? <laughs> Pull it out, take it all out, <laughs> take it all out, every inch of it, and we literally <laughs> took every inch. The only foam I will say, and I, I can verify that the only foam that we did not take out of that boat is in the very front where the skinny little hatch is that you get from the factory in the yeah. front deck. Yep. There's a spot underneath that floor that's the original tracker floor, and it goes from side to side, and it's probably about two and a half foot long, but maybe only two inches thick, Yeah, like right in the nose of the boat where that curve starts happening right, right there. That's the only foam that's in Troy's boat. <laughs> yep. Now, take in mind, I have another one in the shop that I'm working on, another 1860. Customer requested all the foam come out of the boat. I hate taking foam out. I, I despise it, but it, it makes one for more room in the boat when you're mm-hmm. doing a build. And it also, I, I can't, I haven't physically weighed it yet, but we weighed Troy's. The one that I'm working on right now, I've got separated in bags of where it came from. And I'm going to individually weigh it. Weigh them, yeah. You know, and and it has decreased and evaporated a little bit, but it's still sealed up in the plastic bags, and I've weighed them individually. We're probably going to be somewhere around, I would say, 325 to probably close to 400 pounds. I don't doubt it. Of wet, just nasty foam that useless in a boat. It's, you know, it's... Two guys, if you yeah. really want to consider that. It's like carrying around two extra people. It really is. And on those trackers, you know, you can park them downhill like you're supposed to, pull the drain plug when you park it. It does not matter. Yeah, you put water in that boat, it is going to soak it up. Yeah, it can't go nowhere, especially when you have all those ribs underneath the boat mm-hmm. covered up. Yep. You can't get it out. There is no, I don't care how high you put the nose of the boat in the air and keep the drain plug out of it and keep it covered up. It doesn't matter. Troy's was a brand new boat, came straight from Bass Pro. Yeah. And I literally started working on it two weeks after he purchased the boat. Yeah. And it was already, we, we took out. What, what boat was it we took apart that had, it, they had foam in the benches, but they put it inside of garbage bags. Was that a G3? No. Or was it a low? I think it was a low roughneck. And they if put I it remember in garbage right. bags? Yeah, so that basically what they did I is, don't see Low doing that. No. It was one of the boats that we had in here in the shop. It was one that we've done in the last year. But anyways, what they had done is it looked like they had taken the uh, the bench seats before they riveted them in the boat and turned them upside down on the floor and put garbage bags in them and filled the garbage bags full of expanding foam and then sealed the garbage bag up, like kind of twist-tied it at the end, mm-hmm. and then put the bench in. Because when we ripped the bench out, I was like, what the heck is this? It was a black garbage bag. And it was just a real, it was a cheap, thin, black garbage bag. But all the foam inside was dry. Hmm. Was it off the floor enough? Yeah, so a they actually bench seat? capped the bottom of the bench. And when we cut the back of the bench open to put some storage in there, mm-hmm. it was actually able to reuse that as like a false floor, basically. Right. It, was, it was pretty cool. But that was the first time I'd ever seen it in black garbage bags. Yeah. Normally, it's just sprayed in and nothing, no barrier, no nothing. Straight aluminum Straight stuff. Straight aluminum. God. That crap. What else stuck out uh, in Troy's build? Probably the, I guess the, well, there's there's a lot. Um, the amount of room that we gained in that boat and the amount of hatches that are in that boat, 
I think there was 13 hatches in that boat. Yeah. And with 13 hatches in that boat, it was a lot of room to do more space for everything that he had. I mean, there's enough room in that boat. You couldn't, if Troy could probably fill it up with tackle, but. He has, trust me. I've worked on it a couple times. Yeah. (laughs) There's just a lot of room in that boat. It's a big boat, man. It's a barge. That's what I consider it. Yeah. I mean, it's at its the max. And here's another thing, too, talking about these boats and electric reservoirs and stuff. Some of the reservoirs around here have a cap on the size boat that you can put on the water. Really? Yep. Which one? And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I know Black Shoals is that you can't have anything larger than an 18-foot boat. Really? So Troy's is the biggest that you can put on that water. And most guys, <laughs> I didn't know they were doing that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. Either. There's only there's only a few of them. I'm not 100 percent sure which ones it are, but I know Black Shoals is one of them. They only allow a certain size boat on the water. Hmm. Now it could have changed. That was back in my previous tournament fishing yeah. years ago when I was doing the electric only stuff. But that could have changed. But I know there's several of them around. Hmm. So what all you got? You have a lot of boats going on in the shop right now. What you got going on? I've got a couple things going on. I've got uh, I've got the other 1860 in there that's getting a full build. Bass um, boat build? Yep, going straight bass boat. Um, tournament, you know, electric tournament fishing guy. Um, I've got a 1436 Alumacraft I have to put a new transom in. Mm. The wood. Done is, a couple of them. Huh. I've done a few of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the wood in the back of that boat literally looked like dust, sawdust. Yeah. All crumbled. It didn't have no structural stability at all. So I took it all out. We're going to put an aluminum transom in it. Cool. Um, and then I've got another, I don't know what brand model boat that is. It's a cam, it's, you know, painted camouflage just like normal, every yeah. other John boat. I'm uh, going to do a little front deck and a rear deck in it and mount the trolling motor for the, for the customer. Just, you know, always doing something. Not long ago, put some pods on a boat. I do pretty much anything. I can build pods, weld pods on, do a little bit of everything over at the shop. So, keeps me busy. Trust me, we get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. We know. (laughs) We busy, too. Yeah. We got one you can take home with you. We got a couple you can take home Uh, with you. I'm sure. (laughs) I say I got one now that I got to pull in and start working on. I don't know who welded the pods on it originally, but it's cracked. The pod is cracked or the, the welds weld? are cracked all the way around the pods. Ooh. So I got to fix that. And then aluminum transom taking out the, it's got those two little, uh, I always call them pods. They're not the little, where you should have storage in the back of the boat mm-hmm. where the transom is between the transom and the bench. There should be storage there, but there's not. I got to take those two out and put them four in. Make more room for somebody. Yep, make more room. And then they got a fiberglass center console. Oh, what are you doing install. with a fiberglass boat? Uh, it's just, it's guy got a good deal on it, so he wants to put this fiberglass console in his aluminum boat. So I'm going to do it. Center console. Hey, whatever works. If you get a deal know. on something, put it in there. I don't know. Sorry, everybody, for the fan. I keep I keep stopping because I hear the fan. It Please. is so hot in it, here. Yeah, if you guys have made it this far in the podcast, we do need to apologize because that fan is even it's irritating me. I've almost stopped this podcast twice, <laughs> telling us that we just got sweated out. But no, I'm we not don't have any out. AC. No. We can't do it. I'm we sorry. will have AC next week, though. Yeah, Hopefully. so don't Fingers worry about crossed. that because it's warm in here. It is a little warm in here. We it's, honestly it's should just set this all up over there. We'll have AC next week. And we won't have to worry about this anymore because yeah. it is way too hot to be in yeah, here. This is terrible. So we got the fan blowing to keep us cool because if not, I'd, I'd, I think y'all would melt. Ain't bothering me, but. <laughs> <laughs> he was the first one to ask for the fan. He was. Because I smell from working in the warehouse all day. All right. Frankie, <clears throat> knowing everything you know from building all these boats for over all the years. 50 bajillion years. Describe to us the perfect boat for you. Right? If you could do any hole and you could do anything you wanted, no price tag, what would you do? 
I would have to say a welded 1648, and I'm not too keen on or pushed to go to a certain model or brand of boat. But I would definitely say if I was going to build, let's say, my personal boat, I would go with a 1648, 1650, whatever. You know, some of these models are right there within a couple inches of each other on the bottom, but at least a 16-foot boat, 48 to, let's say, 52, somewhere around in there. But I'm not biased on which brand I want to go with. Outboard. I'm going to have to go with Elko. Batteries. Actually, take it back a step. Take what size back. Elko? <laughs> I would do an Elko 30. Really? Yep. Okay. I would what about the battery 30. setup? Battery setup? I would definitely go lithium. I mean, that's a given. Right. But I don't know if... We can go as far as this, but I've I've laid my eyes on that new one coming out. <laughs> should I say? No. There's there's some top secret stuff going on at TV Nation with lithium batteries. <laughs> next topic. Next topic. Okay. <laughs> next next. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, how re- big would your live well tank? I really be? want the batteries that I can't talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I would do ours on the website. Twelve by thirty. The twelve by thirty, eighteen gallon. That's you know, like I do in all my builds. I get all of my parts and most of my stuff from Nate. It's just as easy for Nate, you know, to get it from Nate as it is for me to sit there and build it, which is possible. But it takes up a lot of my time, too, when I can be framing a boat and getting all that stuff set up and start running wires Mm -hmm. that I put that order in with Nate, get those lids delivered. And by the time I'm done doing what I'm doing, I just slap them in the boat. Now, I do keep a stock of stuff at my shop, too, um, because I always get that one random customer that, hey, I want one lid this size. Yeah. You know, and it just sometimes is just as easy, and they want, you know, turnaround time. I know it's that has all goes up and down in in a wave of, you know, our turnaround times getting with Nate and, you know, five to six weeks or six to, you know, six to eight weeks or something like that, that I can build a let's just say a 12 by 30 lid that fits in the live well. If I need one lid, it's just as quick. I can make that. But if I'm trying to get six to seven lids in a, in a build, I'm going to order all those through Nate because I can can go ahead and start framing the boat, start doing all the electrical, start doing all the plumbing, start getting ready for that stuff. And then by the time I'm where I need to be putting those lit, boom, the lids show up and, and it's a done deal. What about trolling motor? I'd have to say on my personal bass tracker that I have right now, I have the Minkota Tarova. Do you like it? I like it. Um, I do like it. But if I was going to use on my personal electric boat, you you don't have any budget. Unlimited budget. Unlimited budget. Okay. Uh, unlimited budget. I just I'm probably going to go with an Ultrax. You pick an Ultrax over an Ultera? Yes, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Why? The I. I, you know, I'm asking you the same thing. It's so cool. No, it, it deploys itself. Who cares? I do because you're I'm too lazy. lazy to pull a cord. <laughs> yes, I'm yes too lazy he to is. pull a cord. Come on, man. That and they did that awesome commercial where the dude like backs his boat in the water. He's just like, and it just deploys and like goes out oh, in the middle of the lake. God, and they make ropes. Right there in the middle. I know, but it was so cool. And then the two guys standing on the dock were like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he <just> did that? <laughs> There's a ghost running that boat. That was a best commercial ever. <laughs> I didn't even I don't even need no. a trolling motor. And I was like, I want one. <laughs> they are nice, I will say. Uh, they stand a purpose for certain types of fishing. Yeah, or I've seen a lot of guides with them. Yes. Because they can control it from the back. From they anywhere can auto the deploy boat. it. They're, you know, yep. they're loading and unloading the boat by themselves all the time. Yep. Yeah. I've seen uh, handicapped people. It's becoming very handy for them. Oh, without uh, a doubt. To being able to deploy it by themselves. So uh, there's definitely uses and benefits to it, but dude, that Ultrax. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I love the Ultrax. Don't get me wrong. It's an awesome trolling motor. I just like that one little feature. You just go, and it just deploys itself. Yeah. 
I know it's one more thing to break, yeah. but yeah. it's so cool. I just it just makes me nervous. That what? thing doesn't want to deploy that one time that you need it to. Does it not have a like a like a backup kind of deal? Dude, where you, you can... me and you have been out on the lake using them, standing on the dock with a boat in the water. Yeah, you almost lost and a you boat almost doing lose a drone it. shot one time. You almost lose it. <laughs> but that no, that one was a motor guide. It don't matter which one it is. I know, but they're still so cool. Now, for instance, me as a crappy fishing with using mine, it it comes in handy because when you're standing on that front deck and I got it in spot lock, the only thing that I have in my way is my graph. Right. Because I have live scope, I have all that stuff. But my live scope is on a singleized pole, you know, isolated pole by itself. Um so, so on your imaginary yep, boat that's yours, what graphs you running and how many, and where are you placing them? I'm gonna run Garmin. I've actually was a, a Lawrence guy um, for the longest time, and turned over or switched over, should I say, to Garmin. I like the mapping of Garmin. I like the quality of the Garmin for. I mean, when they do run the sale and all that stuff, the 93 SV, I mean, you could get that, that graph for six ninety nine, And it had basic mapping on all the lakes, U.S. maps. I right. mean, you, it's hard to get that unless you are specifying yourself to, you know, let's say like a hummingbird and getting the chip, you know, the yeah. Lake Master chip or Lawrence and going with the, the Lake Master chip for it or something like that. But me doing what I do and, and crappy fishing like I fish – I really didn't need that, and for the price, I mean, who can beat six ninety nine for a graph that you can do a lot of stuff with down side, and also capable to do live scope? Because yeah. I started out with two nines, one on the console and then one at the bow, and I actually upgraded. Was it last year? Yeah, I think last year, and got the one hundred six. So I'm actually added the one hundred six to the top of the the ninety three SV for. Um, live scope itself so I got a, a screen for that but then I also run the mapping and my waypoints that are linked together from my other 93 and I can see where I'm at where you know with my waypoints and things like that finding brush and whatnot so having the three graphs makes a big difference of having to switch the screen like I used to have to do and then wind up blowing off a brush pile or something like that if I don't spot lock in time but on my imaginary boat that we're talking about, I would run Garmin, and I would probably run. I would. I'm unlimited budget. I want to run. I'm probably going to run two twelves up front, and in the back, I would probably run a ten, a one hundred six. Um, I don't see the need in having all the other stuff that you see, all the other models, and I can't even name all the other models that Garmin has with the little knob and the little. Yeah. I can't get into. The, I mean. I could get into that, but I just well, the knob one is is specifically for live scope, right? Or they I can't I don't know if it yeah, is I'm specific. I, I know I, it's m- more easily adjustable, I guess you would say, with the knob, but I can adjust on mine just as easy on my one oh six. Yeah, you know, you got your gain, you got your range, I guess you would say, and then your depth. I can adjust those just by standing there. I, on the front of my boat. I thought now. one of the differences is once you go up in models from the SV series is they go completely touchscreen and then you just got the knob to move everything around. It's basically I like think a cursor. something like that, yeah. But with the, the SV series, it's like you got both. You got a little bit of touchscreen. A little bit of touch and a little, and bit, and a little bit of buttons too. Button, yeah. yeah. So I think it's the same way that like Humminbird has their setup. You got the, the Helix. Solix, yep. And then the Solix, which mm-hmm. is just 100% touchscreen. Yep. It's almost like having an iPad. Yep. And then the Apex above that, which I think it's just better resolution and stuff. Faster and the, computer. Obviously. I mean, the more money you spend, the better quality you get. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. 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 <laughs> if you can read it. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Ryan can't. Well, if not, you'll you listen really cool. Now. Yeah, a little bit. Are you feeling better about it? Um, I would if I had a screen. Well, yeah, you got a, a, what, a 7? No, we don't have anything, no. Oh, okay. We don't have anything. We have now. live scope, no screen. Oh. You have live scope and no screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's what boat sense. is that on? The weekend warrior. The weekend boat. warrior boat. That's what I thought. Yep. But, but uh, um, it's going to be the the weekend warrior XL next year. Yes, sir. All right. We had a uh, <laughs> little power outage. Luckily, the first half of it saved. 
Um, <laughs> we have a new fan going now, so there's a new background sound. Yeah, but instead of... I <laughs> <laughs> can just hear... <laughs> <laughs> You're <All right>. welcome. <laughs> well, all right, let's get back to this. I, uh, I had asked Frankie uh, what in your imaginary boat that you can do anything with that you have any budget on. What uh, uh, decking material are you going to use? Carpet or foam? EVA foam. I'm going with EVA foam. I've dealt with carpet. I don't want to deal with carpet anymore. Um, if a customer requests it, I try to steer away from it the best I can. But you still have some guys that want it. Those old school guys love the carpet. Now, yeah. do you just do you like carpet, or do you just hate carpet because of the install process? Personally, I do not like carpet. Um, I have carpet in my Bass Tracker now, and when I redo it, it is getting EVA foam. It's cooler to the touch. Um, looks better to me um, in the long run, years down the road, as long as it's stored correctly, the boat's stored correctly, yeah. covered up, whatever you may yeah. say, to keep the sun from beating it to death. But even carpet fades, breaks down. Yep. does all that stuff. Wear spots. Wear spots, yep. you know. Smells is one of my biggest things. Yeah, dude, I hate the smell from used carpet in a <laughs> boat. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you don't have to worry about that because you'll never put no fish in your boat. No, so. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Just when I'm sweating my butt off on the lake all day and sweating all over the carpet. You got that sweaty feet carpet yeah, smell? Yeah, I got sweaty feet carpet <laughs> smell. Yeah. I t- on my boat, I... I it's been a little over a year and a half. We're coming up on the two-year mark since I put that foam in there, and it's been 100% outside. It has never been garage kept ever, and I'm looking forward to doing that two-year review video to where, all right, this is what it looks like two years after being outside. Like, it's never been like inside. outside, ever. outside. Outside, outside. Like, not covered. Oh, dude, it's in the back by the creek. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably covered in pine straw right now because well, I had used it all. You're getting some coverage on it then. Yeah, that's gonna. It look has good been covered. clean though. I was out there scrubbing it before the uh, NOE show. Oh yeah, that's right because we did take it up there. But yeah, I got to clean it soon. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how much it faded. Or do you, you have really a piece t- left over from when you originally put it in? Yep, I sure do. It's been still in the box. Yeah. Actually, that uh, where the cash register is in the store, right? That top right there is <laughs> with a couple of leftover pieces <laughs> from my boat, <laughs> and the, the the Amazon turf too. I use that for my bunks, and I want to see how it looks after two years of a boat sitting on it, because uh, that was the only place I could find to use that Amazon turf that I had. So a, you didn't yeah. want to put it in the boat? No, I couldn't get it to stick. I've heard that before too. Yeah, I know. Well, and so I ended up using it on the bunks, but I had to coat the back of the turf in contact adhesive, and I had to do the bunk boards in contact adhesive, and then let the boat sit on top of it to keep it from... To keep it smushed. Yeah. To and make it cure, make it set up mm-hmm. in that contact cement. Now, it's been fine as far as since I got it stuck down there, but I mean, just as far as like the, the beauty of turf is peel and stick, and it wasn't. And it wasn't. Well, I've it was heard that about the Amazon turf. Big waste of time. Now, I don't know if they're getting better, because I've seen some mixed reviews... We actually have a local customer that come in here not too long ago, and they put Amazon turf in their boat, and it actually didn't it look bad. Did look, it looked actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah it, it didn't look bad at all, so maybe they're getting better. I've seen several more companies out there trying to get into that market of doing... <laughs> they probably heard Mike blasting them <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Changed the formula. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yep. I did. So... I'm pretty sure I already know the answer to this, but would you go with cut cut yourself sheet turf or custom routed turf? Custom routed turf. What do you like? What do you the want to sim- put on this? What on your dream fantasy boat? Like color? Yeah, or on your, on your Barbie Ken boat. Design, color. I don't know. I, I haven't got that far yet. Three layer, two layer. Seven layer. And we're not going that thick. <laughs> <laughs> I would and probably just do a two layer. Um, I don't see the need in having the three. I don't need all the coloring and all the fancy of, you know, it's not a, uh, what do they call those things, cigarette boats or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's not one of those. It's a boat that I use to fish out of. Two colors good for me. Um, Obviously something with a black background, so black on the bottom. And haven't decided on the color on the top yet. Something cool, something cooler, you know, a lighter color. I just haven't made a full decision on that. 
and that's kind of what I'm waiting on is to get my brain wrapped around what I really want to do because I, I do this on a daily basis. You see a lot of it. Like I we see do. a lot of it, and sometimes I don't even want to think about mine because <laughs> <laughs> I think about them all day when I'm working on them. So it, it's a process that I'm dealing with right now. I'm probably over the winter. Um, I'm actually in the process right now of moving into a new shop. Okay. So we're still going to be in Monroe. Still going to be in Monroe, um, but I'm going to be in a better building situation, I guess you would say. So where I'm at now has gotten me out of my garage where I started, yeah. pretty much where all of us have started. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, just like they say, you start from the bottom. So yep. uh, getting into what I am in now has helped out big time, but I've quickly, when I went full-time, grew out of that. So it makes it a little more complicated getting things in to work on things, playing magical boats, as yeah. I call it. You know, it takes, takes up time. Boat Tetris. Boat Tetris, yeah. I mean, it takes up time when you're moving stuff around. You know, you waste an hour to two hours a day moving things around, getting yep. situated to start working. And then at the end of the day, put them all back in there and get them all finagled back in there. And yep. another hour to two hours. I mean, that's time I could be working, time wasted there. So where I'll be going, it'll be a, a full-blown open 40 by 60 that I'll be moving into. Um, nice. And get myself set up there. Um so as soon as I get in there over the winter, I'll, that's probably when I'm going to just tear my boat apart and do all crazy and go crazy and do what I need to do there. That's what we said about Ryan's two years ago. <laughs> and it's still sitting out back. <laughs> oh, dude, it's it's on the ground. It's, it's not, not even, even on, on the trailer. trailer no more. We let a customer borrow the trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah we just was... yank the whole hole off and throw it on the ground. <sighs> that poor boat. We did at one time care enough to lean it up against the, the little lean-to now out there. Now it's just whatever. It, well, no, the well, wind, wind came yeah, and flipped it oh, over, okay. and now it's full of water. The, the wind was like, I don't think so. <laughs> just knocked it over. Filled it back up. Now I don't even know how we're going to get it off the ground. Yeah. All right, all right so now I'm curious, Ryan. What, what's your what's your dream boat? Oh, gosh, no. We've never talked about this. Yeah, we'll... we'll no. Is it a fisher? Well, I mean, I love my hull, for one. Um, how many times did you? I agree, hold on, I agree with you. How many times did you build the boat, though? I've only built it once. Ish. Ish. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. It's been it's been completely built once. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, you started it, and then I've started it like five times. Since yeah. You, yeah. You, I was going to say you've started on it five or six times, been completely built, but you've <laughs> changed your mind, seen something different Every you time wanted to do. That I feel like one, we're getting close to that point. Yeah. Something else happens. Mm-hmm. And two, I'm actually glad that I haven't done it yet because my ideas of what I want to do with it have changed dramatically since the last time we planned on doing my bit. Yeah. Uh, we have access to a lot more things now. Oh, yeah. Um, so, and we've seen a lot of setups. And we, Well, and it's cool yeah. because, you know, obviously it's going to be an electric boat, whatever it is. And we've seen what works, and we've seen what doesn't work. Yep. Oh, it's a learning curve. I mean, so, and that's the thing. Good thing about what we with what what we do, seeing day in and day out of looking at somebody's boat or building a boat for a customer, and doing what we're doing, you kind of get a better idea of what you want to do in your boat. You know, the first time I built that boat, hatches everywhere. Uh-huh. I wanted. Every now you want to every maybe three compartment to <laughs> yeah. be a hatch. Now Biggins. I'm yeah. trying to figure out how to do it with no hatches. <laughs> yeah. Legitimately, dude. I still I, all right. Look, I don't want to blow any surprises or anything, but I still think we need to try to do that. Like just lift up deck one time. No, on a but dude, I think that would be so cool. You talking about like the whole deck just lifts the up? The whole deck is just one giant lid on a hinge system where you can push a button and the whole it, thing. But just that's goes, the hey. thing is it it wouldn't be able to be a lid. You I would have to put happen. the decking material on a hinge, and still frame underneath, and do it that way. Because you imagine the weight of a hatch that big. Because then you're doing a whole, basically your decking material will be eighth inch. Not if you frame it. Well, the underside of I'm the door would have to be the, framed. The, the lid is going to be that heavy, that big, that thick, for that to work. span that much Hold of a distance. Hold my beer. I can do this. <laughs> Either way, I will agree with you on one thing. At least a 1648. Mm-hmm. 
minimum. Yours is a 1648. Mine's a 1648. I think that is the perfect balance between length and stability in the width of the hole. I agree 100%. I don't know why, but your boat just feels wider. Dude, it's because up at the nose, it doesn't curve in like the trackers. It stays wide, and mine does this odd, very open-angled V in the front. Yeah. It's like a, it's a super aggressive. I mean, you angle. still got almost. I think the width of my front is still almost like 40, 42 well, inches. Yeah, the, the trackers come up to a point. Correct. Your boat comes up this way and then to a point. And then everything pinches in. Pinches in. Like yeah. dramatically. Yeah. Within a foot and a half. To where everything else is sweeping from about a quarter of the way back. Everything starts sweeping so my, in on the rest yeah, of the boat. Yeah, my boats. beam is the same width from the transom to 14 and a half feet forward. Right. You know, I have 14 and a half feet of the same width throughout the entire boat. The whole boat, yeah, the whole boat all the so way. So that's what makes it nice. Yeah. And my hull is very thin. It's very thin yeah, aluminum. It's, a thin it's not like... It's a riveted boat, right? It's yep. riveted, okay. yep. Um, I like the ribs in it, though. It's got really thick, wide ribs that are easy to put a subfloor down on top of. Right. They're not what rounded. are they, inch and a half? Uh, two inch. Two inch, because that two inch foam sits perfectly in there yep. to the same so height. So they stand high two inches. That's yeah. yep. what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. No, that, it, that makes it two nice. inches wide. So it's like they took two inch tube and basically just like flared it out on the end and yep. right. riveted it down. It, this, it's a very well built boat. It well, really that's is. like even the 14 uh, foot Weekend Warrior. The ribs in it are very narrow at the top. And they're round. Yeah. And they're rounded. Sucks. On some boats. Yeah, you got to be pretty precise. Pretty precise on putting your floor down. Um, and you only get, what, three quarters of an inch maybe? Yep. Yeah. To maybe seven eighths? Yep. To put f- foam underneath the floor. But I don't know. We'll see what it turns into. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to turn into something. We can't <laughs> keep staring at it forever. One, one day. <laughs> A pine straw bucket. You know, you. It kind of reminded me of something, and I want to ask your opinion, Frankie. Do you think that over the years of being in the boat building business that your approach with customers has changed when they walk in the door? Uh, so, like, for an example, I know when we first started, if somebody came walking in the door and they're like, I want to put a rod locker right here and I want a pedestal seat right here. Back then, I would have said, absolutely, let's, let's make you happy. Now, I'm like, no, that ain't going to work. You ain't going to be happy with it. I ain't doing that. Yeah, and I, I can say that myself, too. Uh, biggest reason is building boat after boat after boat after boat. It seems that I've learned so much about little stuff yep. that you don't think about in the beginning. As a normal, let's say, a customer that has never built a boat before, obviously why he brought the boat to yeah. <laughs> either me or y'all to build the boat, Right. they don't know the concept of building it uh-huh. and the simplicity of knowing what to do and what not to do. That's why they're paying us to build them. Yeah. So yes, I have changed my approach on that to where a customer wants to talk about a layout and I'm going to try to simplify it one for them that I know that they'll be close to what they're wanting to do, but make it to where I know that it's going to be more feasible and give them optimal space inside the boat for laying that boat out yeah and you're probably a lot nicer about it than i am uh might be maybe <laughs> <laughs> we get people in and like i want to do this i'm like Mm-mm, nope ain't doing it why not because i said so <laughs> you'll hate it <laughs> and that's not a lie either no you will tell them well how many times have you had somebody walk in here and say this is what i want to do and you kind of look at them like, mm, that's not going to work, bud. I like hearing <laughs> that list and then saying, okay, what's your budget? Yeah, there you go. That is the key $17 word. $17 in this used shoelace. Like a half a Snickers bar. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, huh. Yeah, that's not going to cut okay. it. Oh, yeah. I've had them happen to me before all um, several times. Customer come in and want this vast list of, I want a rod locker. I want... Tackle storage. I want a live well. I want this. I want that storage for this. A day box here. A day box there. This store. Yep. And then you say, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can do that. But again, there you hit them with that. What's your budget on this build? Let's go from there, and then we can adjust. Well, you know, um, I was looking like, uh, you know, they kind of give you the runaround on that. <laughs> yeah. It's like you just spit the number out so we can make an adjustment there. You know what I mean? Yep. 
And that comes into play big time when you're trying to figure out exactly what you're wanting to lay out of. There's a difference between wants and needs. There you go. And you need to figure out your needs. Yes. Yes. And then, you know, what we all know is that there's certain stipulations to those needs, right? I need a recessed foot tray. Yeah. And I need a seat base. Okay, well, there's 40 inches right there of your front deck. Exactly. You're not doing anything with. Mm -mm. But they don't under. They, they don't can't know that they, they can't visually see that until you start right. explaining things like that to them. Yep. Yep. And then you got me. It tells them no. <laughs> I'm a dream crusher. But I just you know I just don't want people to be unhappy with their boats because when we built enough of them and we've messed around with enough of them on our own we kind of figured out what you know sounded like a great idea at the time and the customer either did it themselves or we did it for them and they come back and they didn't like it or it didn't work or it I've wasn't had to, functional yeah have you had to change anything before oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that's happened to me a bunch Absolutely. of times myself come yeah. back in and say well this didn't work the exact way i wanted it and i was like i try it. and then the customer say you did try to tell me yeah you know it, but it's, it's all right it's nature it's, of the beast yeah. i mean it, it is what it is at that part point of it is is the boat side part of it's just custom work in general i'm sure anybody that builds any boat car motorcycle for anybody that's custom deals with the same oh without a thing, doubt yeah so. anything custom is is going to be crazy yeah. what what's your what's your least favorite mod that you, you get requested to do least favorite mod yeah you get a customer come in there like i want to do this and you're like Ugh. or you just I like every time your phone goes off you're like i hope this isn't somebody that wants me to do this mm. i don't know to be honest there's i mean i've done every i think i've done almost everything that you could do to a boat i'll tell you what mine is okay let's go from there and then i'll see i've really started to hate trailers and trailer work i don't mind painting them pain in the butt yeah that is redoing the axle we always have some type of issue with yeah with it's bearings always or something problem. it's always something just because there's not much to the trailer you think it'd be easy and fine i've actually rebuilt a couple trailers myself and i don't mind doing it and i guess that's maybe my steel background in welding mm-hmm. right fabrication kind of knowing what's going on with that it doesn't bother me i would ha- probably have to say somebody that if Somebody called me on the phone and said, I need some work done on my boat. Can I bring it by so you can look at it? And they kind of explain to me, hinting around to what's going on. And they get there, and it's a lot of loose or no rivets that the rivets oh, are leaking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big advocate that I do not like rebucking rivets. Yeah. I just, you know, or even replacing rivets, drilling them out, having to redo them. It's not the funnest thing in the world because some of the rivets you can't get to. Yep. That's true. Mine is you live know. wells. You don't like live wells? I hate live wells. I don't mind a live well. Do you mind a live well? Right? I actually love the live well. I'm glad because I won't do them. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you have Every a Every time we get one in, I'm like, hey, there's a flow right kit in the back. <laughs> He's like, for what? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing on this stuff. There's like a thing with the stuff and you got to plug it in and like 5200 and I can't do all that. That flow right kit, man. Makes it easy. I it know, is- but I still hate it. To me, it is the most simplest thing in the world. And it all makes sense, and it irritates me when it doesn't make sense to people. I agree. But some people cannot grasp the concept of the the plumbing system in that. Well, let me ask you this. When you started putting live wells in boats back when you started, you had an intake pump to pump water in. You had an aerator pump to pump water in the live well and recirculate it. Did you have a pump that took the water out? Because I was buying years ago, I was buying single, the flow right switch that yeah. you pull. You could buy those individually. I know what I did. I went to Home Depot and bought a bunch of PVC. And Jerry I think rigged I something with, you the, doing that with the valves. A, didn't you do something so with that? So that my recirc one would still pump it out. On a YouTube. Didn't you yeah, do a but, YouTube about it? <laughs> that live well tank took me... Probably two months <laughs> and $3,000 to figure out. And that is, I'm dead serious when I say that. I probably made a bunch of videos over this stupid DIY. Well, you. But I, I will say, back then, my biggest fear was putting a hole into something, thinking 
that the boat was just going to take on a bunch of water. And I think that that's a fear for a lot of other people where they're like, well, if I put a hole in here and I run a tube to allow water in, isn't water just going to keep spilling in? No. And it's not, but people that don't know that don't know that. Right. So... It, it took me a long time to get used to the way that the flow ride system works. Yeah. And I'm still not, like, I couldn't do it from memory. Like, I, I would still need to, like, pull out the, the, the paper that it comes with or go back and watch it. Just to remember video. how the plumbing actually yeah, ran. And remember where it all goes. Right. You know, I, I know to put the pump as low as you can. Uh, I know with intake and the, the secondary hose you got to run so that you can flip the, the valve back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I just, I just, I don't ever use live wells. I just I have no use for them in the in the manner that I fish. So when people come in and they're like, "Oh, I want a live well," I'm like, well, "I don't really want to do it." But we we have a Ryan. <laughs> yeah, we have a redheaded <laughs> leprechaun in the back. He'll gladly put you a live well in. Yeah, it's just I, I don't I, mind I, it though because the flow rack like kit to me seems it's as simple it's as you can made get. it so much more simplified. You have Dude, one, one pump, pump, one valve, yeah. and hoses that come with the kit. It's all quick connect stuff. Yeah. It is so simple to do as long as you can read the paperwork. And the paperwork defines it very well. I mean, it's not no. like it's giving you a bunch of... Just look at the picture. Yeah. It, uh, I just, I mean, it's an I easy DIY, like should I say, too. I it mean, is. for somebody to do that. It, it's yeah. very simple. And there's enough videos out now to where if you've never done it before, you can follow along with anybody that's in our circle that uses the flow right kit oh, on yeah. youtube and i just i just don't like doing it i don't know i just get grumpy every time i have to do anything with live what well. do you not Listen, get grumpy about like you stupid bass fisherman if you didn't if you actually eat the fish you catch you wouldn't have to keep them alive just throw them on some ice but what do you not get grumpy about can you answer that one mud motors <laughs> i don't know that well, one kid came back with a mud motor and you were you're a little grumpy which one the uh, one that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh no, you're talking about the one that I got a the, the Chinese one. Uh, I the uh, I'll tell you, I don't know much about these mud motors, eh? You, you fixing to learn, eh? But <laughs> <laughs> freaking Canadian. But I'm not Canadian. A? But uh, transom height seems to be an issue with a lot of them. It's huge. It's everything. So that's why I don't like them. It, it, I've just never picky. messed with them, so I don't. I can't. And they're say. hard to steer. I would. There's no way I. I couldn't make a long run with one. Don't you have to let literally steer it like run? Oh, yeah. with? I mean, well, a long tail you do on the short tails. I mean, that's why everybody likes a short tail because they're easy to drive. They're just More like running like an, an outboard. outboard. It's right. it's okay. just an air cooled outboard is all that it is. Um, it, it, and, but the, you're, you're right. The transom height makes a huge difference in the mud motor world. You go long tail, the shorter the transom, the better. It makes it easier to handle. You actually pick up more speed. Uh, in the short tails, most of them, you need a tall transom. And a lot of times, people are building up their transom or putting hunt decks on the back of the boat so that they have an, an even taller transom to get it up out of the water. I had to do that for a guy on, I think he had an express Yep. hunt deck. Uh, express, you know, the little, I don't even know what you what model or brand it is, or brand, I say, but what model boat it was. But I know it was an Express, and I had to, I think it was three inches. Yeah, I think it was three inches we had to raise yeah. because the motor was sitting too low into the water, and he said it was splashing back into the boat. Yeah, the, so on the, the basically the, the bell housing part, the part that comes down that's got either a chain or a belt inside of it, yeah. it has to be up above the water level while you're yeah, running. Yeah, that's what his and was And you actually hitting. tilt it down to get the prop in the water. That's so dumb. I mean, go places you can go. I got an outboard well, that I'll go on? right anywhere you'll go. But you won't. I bet I will. <laughs> but you won't. Uh, water's optional where I go. Okay, that's fine. You going to tear up your outboard? Sure. Once. <laughs> They're getting expensive. All right, they guys. Are. This has been a pretty long episode. Are, are you cutting me off? Yes. We'll do another one. Fine. Frankie, tell everybody where they can find you, get in touch with you, see your work. I'm on, well, I say I'm on all platforms, but I am not. Uh, I do have a YouTube, but I do not put a bunch of stuff on YouTube. But I am on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, Piedmont Custom Fab. Um, like I said, I'm in Monroe, Georgia. 
Um, if you need anything done or want to see some of the work, just check out those platforms and uh, we can get you hooked up with whatever you need. I think that's the end of this episode, guys. Thank you for watching. Oh, you got to you to thank you to our thank you to our wonderful sponsor, TBNation.net. Once yes. again, if you need hatches, anything we pretty much talked about in this episode, aside from the mud motors at the moment, um, <laughs> you can visit TBNation.net. We've got it on there. Most of our stuff. We're getting better with our shipping, getting things out a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah. That um, this year's been crazy. That has slowed down a little bit. And we do greatly appreciate the support. Absolutely. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode. We have a good lineup of guests coming. Yes, we do. We got some. We've got some very special people. Some heavy coming. hitters coming, and we'll see y'all in the next one. Oh, and don't forget. Oh yeah, I did forget. Don't forget. Don't ever forget your drain plug, Frankie. I always have a drain plug. Don't if forget not- it. One and two more. (laughs) Always have a drain plug in the boat. That's that's why we say, don't forget your drain plug. (laughs)